Greg Anderson, in Living Life on Purpose, tells a story about a man who had lost his wife. He had lost faith in himself and other people and in God. He was finding no joy in living. One rainy morning, this man went to a small neighborhood restaurant for breakfast, and although several people were at the diner, no one was speaking to one another. This man, who was miserable, hunched over the counter, stirring his coffee with a spoon. In one of the small booths was a, no- was a mother with a young child. They had just been served their food when the child broke the silence by almost shouting, Mama, why don't we pray? The waitress, who had just served their breakfast, turned around and said, Sure, honey, we pray here. Will you say a prayer for us? And then she turned and looked at the rest of the people in the restaurant and asked, Will you bow your heads? Surprisingly, one by one, heads went down. Then the child bowed her head, folded her hands, and said, God is great. God is good. And we thank God for this food. (laughs) That simple prayer, offering gratitude, all of a sudden changed the atmosphere in that small restaurant. People began to talk with one another, and the waitress said, we should do this every morning. All of a sudden, this saddened man, whole frame of mind started to improve. From that little child's example, he started to thank God for all that he had, instead of focusing on what he didn't have. He started to be grateful. I think we may all understand and appreciate the importance of gratitude, how it can radically change relationships. In fact, one of the first things we were taught and that we teach our children is to express their gratitude. Someone gives them some candy and we say, now what do you say? And the child learns from an early age, the answer is, and certainly we all know as adults that we appreciate being thanked. Yet when it comes to giving thanks to our Heavenly Father, well, I think we often miss the mark. And when it comes to giving our thanks to God, I don't suppose there's any story in the Bible that is so endearing to us, so timelessly appropriate, as the story of Jesus healing the ten leopards. We have all probably heard this story many times, but like many Bible stories, we never tire of it. The story background is that the time of Christ's death was near. And the three years of Christ's public ministry were almost complete. So Jesus was heading to Jerusalem with his disciples. He was coming down from the north, and he chose to travel along the border between Samaria and Galilee. It's not really as important to know where these are on the map as it is to understand the significance of this statement. The thing to remember is that Jews consider Samaritans to be half-breeds, or as in Harry Potter, mudbloods. Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with other groups and so were no longer full-blooded Jews. This caused a lot of tension over the years. But then Jesus came along, and we see him telling stories about the Good Samaritan. We see him having conversations at wells with Samaritan women. And in this story, we see him walking the border between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee, one of the dividing lines between two groups of people who hated each other. And so with all this in mind, we pick up in Luke 17, where the ten lepers lepers met Jesus. 
And they stood at a distance, probably shouting, Unclean! Unclean! As Jesus approached. Because leprosy was such a dreaded disease, those who had leprosy were cast off from the rest of society. They were expected to live outside of town, often in garbage heaps, and to have no contact with former friends or family. But when they saw who he was, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Apparently they had heard of the healing power of Jesus, and they called out to him for mercy. They indeed needed some mercy. They needed anything he would give, and he gave them everything. A scripture passage says when Jesus saw them, which is significant detail, because Jewish law and human nature conspired to make the leopards invisible. People were, people were and are inclined to ignore sick or dying people because its suffering and death make us uncomfortable. We can draw strength from the knowledge that one who saw the leopards also sees and knows us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. Notice he doesn't say you are healed. Notice also he doesn't say if you show yourself to the priest, you will be healed. He doesn't promise them anything. He just tells them to show themselves to the priest. In Leviticus 13, 14, someone who had been healed or who had recovered from leprosy was required to present him or herself to the priest in order to be pronounced clean. So Christ was saying, you are not clean, but go anyway and show yourself to the priest. And you can imagine them arguing amongst themselves and saying, but we are not clean. The priest won't pronounce us clean. If we do what he says, we'll just be humiliated one more time than we already are. But they actually didn't argue. Whether they understood or not, they had faith in Jesus to do what he asked. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, while they were going, they were healed. Can you imagine the joy that all of them felt at that moment? They who were outcast, who had no hope, who had no future to look forward to, now had received their lives back. They could now go home to their friends and family. They could kiss their wives again. They could play with their children. They were cleansed. They were made whole. And now we get to the heart of the passage. And one of them, just one, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice glorifying God. One of the ten came back and gave thanks and praise to God. Now statistically, this account is true. When you serve others, only about 10% will thank you. You'll realize this when you serve others. Or else you are in in for a big disappointment. Serving others can be a thankless task. Now the other side of this coin is true too. Though only 10% will thank you, make sure that you are the 10% that thanks others. When someone does something good for you, or nice to you, or something for you, thank them. Give them a card. Send them a plate of cookies. Just call them on the phone and tell them how much you appreciate them. When was the last time you thanked the person that cleaned your church? 
Could you thank your children's school teacher today for preparing lessons every day, week in and week out? When was the last time you thanked the person who bagged your groceries? Or your mail, mail carrier? Or your spouse for doing the dishes? Or mowing the lawn? Or your kids for cleaning their rooms? Or bringing dirty clothes to the laundry room? The only 10% of people thank you when you serve them. Be the 10% that thanks others for serving you. But don't just thank others. Thank God. Look what this leper did. The text says that he returned with a loud voice glorifying God. This was no meek and quiet praise to God out of fear that someone might be offended by his boisterous proclamation. He wanted the whole world to know what God had done for him. He thanked Jesus. I'm sure this was not just a nonchalant, hey, thanks, man. It was a profuse thank you. It was promise of undying loyalty. It was an adoration of love. And the text says he was a Samaritan. We don't know for sure the nationality of the other nine. We just know that this one was a Samaritan. He had been despised because he was a Samaritan. And he had been despised because he was a leper. And he alone came back to thank God. Jesus asked, Why did only one come back to thank me? Where are the other nine? Why is this foreigner, the Samaritan, the only one who returned? I think Jesus knew where the other nine were. And so why he was asking the question, and who was he asking it to? I believe he was asking it to those who were traveling with him to Jerusalem. He was asking these questions for the benefit of his disciples. His focus during this time was on teaching and training them. So this event was just as much for their benefit as it was for the ten lepers. We often get down on the nine for not coming back to Jesus. But I think we do so unjustly. Do you want to know why none of the other nine returned? As Lisa would say, I'll tell you. I believe it was because they were obeying Christ. Christ told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Did he not? And that is exactly what they were doing. In fact, you can probably even imagine the conversation among them along the way. That stupid Samaritan, doesn't he know God's law? Doesn't he know that we are supposed to show ourselves to the priest to be pronounced clean? In fact, I can just hear them saying, we were healed on our way to the priest. If we turn back now to thank Jesus, he will surely condemn us for our disobedience. We'll become leopards again. We'll go to the priest now and then go and thank Christ later. There'll surely be time later, right? And so they went, so intent on obedience that they forgot to thank the very one who made it possible for them to obey. But the Samaritan, overwhelmed with gratitude, could not keep himself from doing what this new life demanded that he do. Thank the one who had made him whole. He knew that Christ had told him to go and show himself to the priest, but he also recognized 
that the one who had made him whole was more important than the one who had simply recognized that he had been made whole. Jesus had healed him. The priest would simply say, yes, you have been healed. And so he returned to Jesus and he thanked him. And Jesus says to him, arise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus addressed the same phrase to the woman at the anointing, the hemorrhaging woman, and the blind beggar. And here is elsewhere he marks Jesus' work of healing and restoration. To respond rightly to Jesus is to praise and glorify God, to offer our gratitude. The Samaritan's thanksgiving and prostration at Jesus' feet His recognition that God is at work when Jesus notices and heals hurts and brokenness that are not noticed by others. His understanding that to thank Jesus is to glorify God. This is the manifestation of faith that makes us well. Love that springs from gratitude is the essence of faith. Love that springs from gratitude is the essence of faith. How often do you feel grateful? How often do we stop to thank God for our blessings? How often do you express and show gratitude to others? That simple prayer of a child offering gratitude changed the entire atmosphere of that diner. All of a sudden, the sad man's whole frame of mind started to improve. From that little child's example, he started to thank God for all that he had and stopped focusing on all that he didn't have. As he started to be grateful, life was restored. Gratitude affects not only the grateful person, but anyone who witnesses it. Studies show that being thankful and expressing it to others is good for our health and happiness. Not only does it feel good, it also helps bind, build trust and closer bonds with the people around us. It is the ushering in of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It established koinonia, a beloved community. The story concludes with Jesus' departing blessing. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And what do we say? Indeed, thanks be to God. Amen Amen. and amen.